Good morning and happy new year. I hope that everyone who is watching online enjoyed a wonderful Christmas, even if it was a bit different this year. For those who don't know me, my name is Kevin Sobotsky, and I have the great privilege of being the Dean of the School of Business at Trinity Western University, where I've been a professor for 28 years. My wife Brenda and I have attended now at Grace Church for about three years, and we have just so appreciated the warmth, the friendship, the fellowship, the support of all of you here at Grace Church. Now, I think that for many of us, we are just incredibly happy to be in 2021, to put 2020 behind us. And we are just very much looking forward to a new year where we hope we will return to some level of normal. As we start this new year, I, I'm sure that all of us have some plans, some goals for the year. We want to walk more. We want to lose a few pounds. We want to read some good books. Maybe learn a new skill this year. If we were all together, it would have been really fun to just take a couple of minutes and just get people to quickly share what their one thing is they want to achieve in 2021. Well, let me be open this morning and let me share my number one goal for 2021. This might surprise you, but I am going to try my very best this year, even if I'm not always good at this, to be an encourager. That is my number one goal this year, to be an encourager. My son, Justin, loved track and field. So every year when he was in high school, we found ourselves in June at the BC High School track and field provincial meet at Swan Guard Stadium. And I always loved being there, loved all the events, the high jump, the shot put, the hurdles, but I particularly loved the distance races. It was Saturday afternoon, this one year, and it was time for the senior girls 800 meter race. And I was excited. This is my favorite race. This is the race that I ran way back when I was in high school. And so I was watching closely. I knew that for those runners, this race would be over in less than two and a half minutes. But this would be the culmination of hundreds and hundreds of hours of training. This was their special moment at the provincial championships. The gun sounded. They were off. That year, the race was particularly tight. No one really got ahead and no one was really lagging behind. They were just running as a pack together. And the girls had finished half the race and they had come back around right in front of the stadium when suddenly one of the girls got clipped 
At least it appeared she got clipped in the back of her leg and she stumbled and she fell heavily to the track and she hit so hard that one of her track shoes actually came off. And there she lay, hurt, bleeding, crushed. For her, the race that she had trained so, so hard for was done. And I can only imagine how that moment was, how awful that moment was, the pain, the heartbreak of that moment. She sat there, and then she began to put her track shoe back on. And at that moment, the people down on the track, they began to urge her to, to get up. And then the crowd in Swangard Stadium, they, they caught on, and that large crowd got to its feet, and it began to applaud and encourage this young athlete to get back in the race. She slowly got to her feet, and with the support of all the people in the stadium, she began as best she could to run, to finish the race. At the finish line, normally you would have the wild celebrations of the runners who won the gold or the silver or the bronze, but not really this time. As the runners crossed the finish line, they turned and they began encouraging the injured runner to keep going, to finish the race. And as she crossed the finish line, she was surrounded by the other girls she received huge applause from the people in the stadium. She finished the race. Now, I am sure as that girl has looked back over the years, there has always been some sadness that she stumbled, that she fell. But perhaps the sting has not been quite as bad as she remembers the support the encouragement that she received from the other athletes and the crowd, and she remembers she got back in the race. She finished the race. Encouragement meant a huge difference at a very painful moment in her life. Friends, let's be honest. 2020 was a tough year. Many of us, stumbled and fell in 2020. We suffered from the separation from loved ones. We suffered from loss of income. We suffered from the loss of just being able to do the things that we love to do. We suffered from loss of relationship. It was a tough year. For many, it was deeply painful, deeply discouraging, heartbreaking for some. We so needed someone to come alongside us, to encourage us, to support us, to lift us up when we were hurting, and to help us to get back in the race. Now, I don't like to make predictions, and I know some won't like this prediction, but I am guessing that 2021 will be a challenging year, too. And we are going to need encouragers. 
hugely in 2021. And my prayer is that you will join me in making this a key goal for 2021. The title over my message is my goal for 2021, be an encourager, be a Barnabas. This morning, I want us to learn some principles of encouragement from the life of Barnabas. We're going to read in three different places in the book of Acts, starting, first of all, in Acts chapter 4, in verse 32, and we'll read right to the end of that chapter. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now chapter 9, still in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, that's the apostle Paul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul in his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And then... In chapter 11, just one more reading, verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And I trust the Lord will bless the reading of these verses from the book of Acts. Acts 4 occurred at a remarkable time in church history. Only a short time before, the apostles had seen the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. There had been defeat for them, there had been discouragement, but then there was the resurrection. Jesus was alive. There was new hope, there was new power, and in Acts 2, we find thousands hear the gospel message. And in one day alone, 3,000 people came to Jesus. This was a time of excitement, and joy in the early church. But it was also a very, very challenging time. The early church was running against culture, and persecution began very, very quickly. In Acts 4, verses 1 to 3, we read of the arrest of Peter and John. 
In chapter 5, the apostles are again arrested and they are flogged. They are whipped. In Acts 7, Stephen is seized and stoned to death. And then in Acts 8, verse 1, we read of a great persecution that broke out against the church. And in this time of joy and this time of pain, with the challenge of persecution, God brings Barnabas to the church, a man who is going to play a much-needed role in the early church. Now, his name had not always been Barnabas. His original name was Joseph, but the apostles gave him this nickname. You know, nicknames could be harsh. I, I have some personal experience with this. You see, I was born with a defect. My ears were way too large, and when I was born, they sat out 90-degree angles. They were like satellite dishes sticking out on either side. They were actually corrected by surgery when I was 12 years old. Now, to compound this, my father believed that there was only one Christian haircut. It was the buzz cut. So just get this picture of this poor little boy heading off to school with his buzz cut and his satellite dishes for ears. Oh, it was sad. And I quickly got a nickname. Do you know what my nickname was? Flaps. Flaps. Oh, I hated that nickname. See, nicknames can be very harsh, but the nickname here was not negative. It was positive. It was a very positive nickname. In Bible times, a nickname, a new name, would be carefully chosen to indicate some personal characteristics of the person. If you would like to do an interesting study, look at the different name changes throughout Scripture. Abraham, Jacob, Gideon, Peter, Paul, why those names? What is this significance? It makes a great study. Here the name is Barnabas, son of encouragement. If you look at the meaning of the word, it's one who comes alongside to help. And I wonder why this nickname? Why Barnabas? Why son of encouragement? Barnabas was very, very generous. We read that in Acts 4.27. Why not call him son of generosity? If you read through the book of Acts, you discover he was a great preacher, a great teacher. Why not a name that described his preaching or his teaching? It seems that this stood out above everything else. So much so that he was given this nickname, Encourager, encourager, son of encouragement. This is what Barnabas was known for. We've started into a new year. In 2021, what do you want to be known for? Good teacher, good professor, good golfer. That, of course, would never happen. Uh, but what could be better than encourager? be known in 2021 as a person 
who comes alongside. To be known in 2021 as a person who supports, who loves, and lifts up the sad and the broken and the wounded. Son of encouragement. I've been referring to this as my goal for 2021, but maybe my wording is not really accurate. You see, I firmly believe this isn't just a goal. It isn't something that's optional for us. It is actually a biblical mandate. It might surprise you that no less than 46 times in your NIV New Testament, you will find reference to encouragement or being encouragers. And so for just a moment, let's let the word of God speak. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Paul's charge to to Timothy, he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another Daily, but encourage one another daily. And Hebrews 10, 25, just reading the latter part, let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, this is more than just a goal for the new year. This is something that God asks over and over that we would do. It seems that the need for encouragement is just wired into our DNA as we strive to live faithful, God-honoring lives in a culture that is often hostile. We need encouragement. And in 2021, in this difficult time that we're living in, we are going to stumble. We are going to fall. We are going to be discouraged and heartbroken at times. And we need encouragers who will come alongside and will lift us up and help us to get back in the race. This morning, I want us to learn just three very simple, practical lessons from the life of Barnabas, how we can do encouragement better in 2021. So if you're ready, let's go. Lesson number one, be an encourager, be a Barnabas, be available. I'm sure that all of us are familiar with Acts 9, the story of Saul or Paul's conversion. Paul was so instrumental in persecuting the church. In fact, in Acts 26, Paul says, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. But in Acts 9, Paul is traveling to Damascus, and God stops him. God speaks to him, and Paul is converted, and his life is dramatically changed. He does a 180 in his life. 
Paul is baptized and he begins to fellowship with the Christians in Damascus and he begins very early on to preach and he preaches powerfully that Jesus is the Christ. The Jews in Damascus didn't like this and they began to conspire together to kill him and they hatched a plan so that when Paul would leave the city as he just went out through the city gates, they would kill him. But somehow Paul learned of the conspiracy and the Christians lowered him in a basket over the wall so that he didn't have to go through the gates and he flees to Jerusalem. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, he tries to join the church there, but to his surprise, he is he's shunned. He is not welcome in the church in Jerusalem. And I can only imagine how Paul felt. He's a young believer. His old friends in Jerusalem likely would want nothing to do with him now, but the Christians are also rejecting him. And I'm reading between the lines a little here, but I am sure that this was a moment of deep, deep discouragement for Paul. Is there no one who would come alongside Paul and lift him up and encourage him to get back in the race? Of all the apostles, all of the Christians in Jerusalem, only Barnabas stepped forward. And Barnabas said, I'm available. I will come alongside Paul. I'll make time to talk with him. I will listen to him. I will trust him. I will take the time to introduce him to the other disciples. What an incredible encouragement Barnabas was to Paul by simply being available at a time of need. Now, when you speak, sometimes you have to hit yourself the hardest. I am a type A, task-driven, goal-oriented person. Some mornings I would hit the office, at least when we were allowed to go to the office. I would get to the office, and I would already have my to-do list ready, and I would say to my secretary, I am locking myself in the office. Whatever you do, don't let anyone through the door. If anyone tries to come through the door, shoot them. I am not available. I must get my tasks done. And I know that sometimes I bring that same attitude to my relationships. I'm too busy with different projects to come alongside. Too busy to help. And so I challenged myself first this morning. Friends, maybe this is almost too simple. Maybe it goes almost without saying. But if we are to encourage we have to be available. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. Be available. Number two, lesson number two. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. Take risks for God. There was a very good reason why the disciples in Jerusalem shunned Paul. They were afraid of him. And understandably so. This was the man who only a short time before was passionately committed to their destruction. Listen to Acts 26, 11. Paul is speaking to Agrippa and this is what he says. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my 
obsession. That's Paul's word. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. It's no wonder in Acts 9 that they were afraid of him. They were fearful to go anywhere near Paul. The risk was just too great. If we come alongside Paul, it might be a trick. He'll turn on us. He'll imprison us. He will kill us. Now notice it doesn't say that Barnabas was not afraid. I am guessing he likely was. But Barnabas was willing to overcome his fear and take a risk for God. Likely every one of us has a a fear or a phobia. The fear of flying. The fear of heights. Or even worse, the fear of spiders. (laughs) For me, it's the fear of the dentist. I love my dentist. He's He's a great dentist. But every time I have to go to the dentist, you know, about two hours before, my palms start to get sweaty and I begin to think about all the reasons why I might have to cancel the appointment. I just have this fear of going to the dentist. Now we can chuckle at our phobias, but at times fear can lead to very unhealthy practices. I'm not this bad. I've never quite got to this point. But I could get to the point where I would say, I am so fearful of going to the dentist, I just won't go. And of course, that would be unhealthy. And fear can also be debilitating in our Christian lives. And fear can keep us from being encouragers. I can't do a study group on Zoom. I don't understand the technology. I'm afraid. I can't phone someone who is sick. I can't phone someone who has just lost a loved one. What would I say? I'm afraid. I can't text. I can't send an email to someone. I'm not very good at that. I don't know what I would say. What if I said the wrong thing? I'm afraid. I have a verse I'd really like to share with someone, but but I'm not sure how they will respond. They might think I'm weird if I try to share my verse. I am afraid. And fear can defeat encouragement. Now I'm going to be open again on this one. I'm not sure why God has made me the way that I am. He's created me so that I I don't ever feel fearful or afraid or nervous when I have to speak like this or speak to a class or a large audience. I I just never am afraid. But I do get fearful and I do get afraid when I have a phone in my hand and I'm about to call someone who is sick or has lost a loved one or is going through a marital challenge or maybe lost their job. And in those moments, my heart begins to pound and my palms do get sweaty. And this may sound silly to you, but I will actually sometimes make notes before I call because I'm just afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing or I won't know what to say at all. And over the years, there have been times when I just didn't make the call. I was afraid. You see, it's not easy being a Barnabas. But I would encourage all of us this morning, let's be willing in 2021, take some risks for God. 
Don't let fear defeat encouragement. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. Take risks for God. Lesson number three, and by far our most important lesson. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. Keep the focus on the Lord. The final lesson we want to look at this morning is from Acts 11. By Acts 11, the persecution had become so awful that Christians had scattered to other parts of the world, and some had come to Antioch, a city approximately 300 miles to the north of Jerusalem. And immediately upon arriving in Antioch, these early Christians began to tell the Jews and then the Greeks the good news of the Lord Jesus. And God blessed, and many came to Christ. And news of this blessing reached Jerusalem, and the church there decided to send someone who could go and support this young church in Antioch. And Barnabas is chosen. And so he makes the 300-mile trek, and when he arrives, he rejoices when he sees how God is working, when he sees that the gospel is flourishing in Antioch. Now notice the very first thing that Barnabas does. Verse 23, Acts 11. When he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their heart. The word that is translated encouraged in verse 23, it's, it's a slightly different word than in many of the 46 places in the New Testament where you find encouragement. The word here is not so much coming alongside to help or to comfort, but instead it has the idea of urging forward. Keep moving forward. Vine says the word is always prospective. It's always looking forward. It's urging someone to keep their eye on the goal ahead. The word, for example, might be used by a military leader where the troops are nervous, they're hesitant, and the leader would encourage them, would urge them forward, keep your eye, your focus on the objectives ahead. And Barnabas here, he encourages the Christians in Antioch. He urges them, don't look back. Move forward in the race. Keep your focus, keep your eyes solely on the Lord. Never take your eyes off him. Focus on him with all your heart. I believe the reason Barnabas gave this encouragement as soon as he arrived is because he knew that these young Christians in, in Antioch, if they got their eyes off the Lord, they could quickly be discouraged, they could quickly be defeated, they could be knocked out of the race. The way that Barnabas could best come alongside these young Christians was to make sure they stayed close to the Lord. Here's a trivia question. Do you know what the last verse of the last chapter of Peter's last message is? Well, it's 2 Peter 3.18. Peter writes, Growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter's very last words to the church. He gives a similar encouragement to Barnabas. Keep your eyes 
on the Lord. Continually grow in your knowledge and your relationship with him. Why did Peter make those his final last words, his last message to the church? I think it was because Peter knew better than anyone the dangers, the defeat, the heartbreak, the discouragement when we get our eyes off the Lord. Matthew 14, we know the story well. Peter steps out of the boat. He begins to walk on the water to the Lord. And before long, he lifts his eyes off the Lord and he, he sees the wind and he sees the storm and he gets afraid and down he goes. What was the problem? He didn't keep his eyes on the Lord. When we have our eyes on the Lord, when we are in close relationship with him, when we're growing in our knowledge of him, there is joy and there's peace and there's encouragement. But when we're focusing on the storm, when we're focusing on the wind, then there can be sadness and pain and discouragement. Hebrews 12, two to three says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I've always loved Hebrews 12 too, but it was only recently that I actually read it with the next verse, and I put the two together. Listen to verse three. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, this is the part that I had missed. So that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. Did you catch that? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? So that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Or to put it another way, let's fix our eyes on Jesus so that we won't be discouraged. This morning, you might be saying, I, I don't really know how to encourage. I don't know what to say to someone who is hurting, is lying bleeding, who is heartbroken. I, I really don't know what to say to them. Listen, the very best form of encouragement, the very best way that we can come alongside, that we can help someone, is to have them keep their focus on the Lord. There is nothing better than encouraging someone to live in his words, to spend time at the cross, to rejoice in the, in the resurrection, to rejoice that he is coming and to communicate with him every day. Friends, this morning, be an encourager, be a Barnabas, encourage each other to keep our eyes and the Lord, there is no greater form of encouragement. I finish with this. Friends, wouldn't it be amazing if people were driving down McMillan Road and they stopped in front of our church and they looked at our church and they said, I think the name of that church should be changed. That church should be called the Barnabas Church. That is a place of encouragement. That church is just full of encouragers. As we head into the new year, would you join me? Even though it may not be always easy,
in making encouragement a high, high priority for 2021. Thank you so much.